Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm joined today by Anish Sahoni, who's the CEO of a company called One Million Degrees based out of Chicago. We're going to be talking about community college. We're going to be talking about pathways to a good first job and to a beneficial life. Before we get to any of that, I want to welcome Anish to the show. Welcome to Trending in Education. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. And you and I first met in person, which is a nice thing. We met in person at South by Southwest EDU, where we were both there trying to get a read on where the world of learning is heading. We're going to want to dive into what you got on your plate, what you're trying to do with One Million Degrees. But before we do any of that, I always like to get to know our guests by hearing their origin story. Can you catch us up on how you got to this point in your professional life? Yeah, absolutely. And where I'll start is my personal life, because I think it's the direct bridge for me into why I do the work I do. My parents are both immigrants from India. I vividly remember when I was seven years old, walking into the apartment where my dad grew up and looking in and seeing, you know, roughly 700 square feet and being like, how did seven people grow up here? And then also remember thinking, how is 700 square feet one room among many rooms in the house where I grew up in the United States? And so, you know, I pieced the story together and realized my dad came to the United States in pursuit of further higher education opportunities. A few years into that journey, he went back to India to have an arranged marriage. And, and my mom, and within a month of meeting my dad, my mom is moving halfway around the world, married to this seeming stranger in a strange place. And, you know, both my parents really made the ultimate sacrifice. They left their entire family behind in making the choice to come to the United States, but they did it because they knew there would be opportunities here, not just for themselves, but also for their future children. My mom in particular, when she came to the United States, she actually had a college degree from India, but realized that degree didn't have meaning or value in the labor market in the US. So she went to our local community college and got an IT degree and credential, got a good first job, and has made now a 30-plus-year career, the same company, working your way up. And so the power of educational opportunity has been core to my family's journey. The other piece I'll share here is, you know, mentorship has been really instrumental to me in my life. I wasn't a great student in middle school. I was getting C's and D's, and my parents were a little worried. And it wasn't until ninth grade where I found my debate coach and my debate teacher, Gail Sir that I found somebody who really wanted to invest in me, believed in my potential. And I think it turned out I was bored. I wasn't feeling challenged. Mm. And so I found somebody who really pushed me to be a better version of myself. So I feel very fortunate in many ways, right? The experiences and opportunities I've gotten. And then when I started as a high school English teacher, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I still talk to my students. And I say best experiences because it taught me two, I think, fundamental life lessons that I carry forward. One is our students have boundless potential. And yet, unlike my sister and I had access to in terms of opportunities, largely speaking, the systems that we have don't work for all of our students. And so I've sort of made a commitment in my life to try to tackle those challenges and those systemic issues, holding back our students from accessing potential and ensuring we create access to opportunity for them. I've done work across the country. I've worked in Tennessee at the State Department of Education. I've worked for and supporting K-12 education systems around the country. But most of my work in the last decade has been in Chicago, leading 1 million degrees for about 18 months. Got it. And then 1 million degrees is very similar to your mom's story, focused on pathways to that first good job that are really powered by the engine that is our community college system. 
And I know that Chicago has a pretty robust community college infrastructure. Community colleges are something folks talk about at a high level a lot. You're someone who's now leading an organization that is finding the solution in many ways through the community college ecosystem. Can you describe a little bit what 1 million degrees is and the problem that it's trying to solve? Yeah. So as you noted, you know, at 1 million degrees, our mission is to ensure community college students specifically have access to education and career pathways that put them on path toward economic mobility. Mm-hmm. The reason we've anchored in that mission to zoom out a little bit is look, we all have seen the data around the widening inequality in our country. And we have a fundamental belief that community colleges have the potential to be a meaningful driver of economic mobility. First, if you just think about the number of students that attend community colleges, right? I mean, this is true in Chicago and nationally, but nearly half of all students at some point go through community colleges in pursuit of their higher educational opportunities. And so there's a lot of incredible talent there and a lot of incredible opportunity there that I think is worth investing in as a country. And then second, just given that community colleges are open access institutions and are rooted in community, they disproportionately enroll a higher share of students who are first in their family to go to college from communities with limited access to economic opportunity and a lot of our students of color across the country. And given that they're rooted in community, there's a really unique opportunity for community colleges to ensure they're connecting effectively with the workforce and labor market to ensure support for the talent is getting in the education system directly results in workforce opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Because the related problem in this space is the some college, no degree, the idea that I thought I was ready for college. Maybe I took some courses. I had a bad experience. I didn't get the supports that I needed because my profile maybe is different than a traditional profile. And those folks, our educational system is failing them. Those are the folks you're really working with in addition to community leaders and folks in community colleges, folks in industry. I'd like to hear a little more from you around who is the population who you're reaching. I know it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario either. Can you describe the types of populations that community colleges serve? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you noted it exactly in the problem statement, right? Which is, while community colleges definitely have the potential, when you look at the data, Far too often, enrollment rates, graduation rates remain low. And further, even if a student graduates, it's not clear that enough of them are actually being prepared for what comes after education in terms of work or a transfer to a four-year institution. So to your question on the population, our population mirrors community colleges broadly. We serve a very demographically diverse population. Last year, for example, 84% of our students identified as Black or Latinx, the majority are the first in their family to go to college, which comes with a unique set of needs that we work with our students on. And then the other, I think, interesting piece is roughly half our students are straight for high school and half are adults. And so we have a very diverse population in terms of age and where they are in their life journeys as well. Yeah. And then the way in which you provide the economic mobility and the social connections, I I know Raj Chetty's work is something that we talked about the first time we met where, you know, the more you can make connections to folks from different backgrounds, including different socioeconomic backgrounds that can frequently open up some of the pathways that we're describing very much in line with the mentorship concept that you were putting out there in terms of your origins. Can you describe what the services are and how you're attacking the problem space that we're talking about here? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think the big thing, you know, we found and credit to our co-founders and the, the people at OMD who've worked on this even far before I came here, they really dug into this question of what will it take, right? What do students need? And really tried to center the student's experience in designing a solution. And what we found is really requires a holistic set of supports. And I'll walk through what we mean by holistic in our model. But I start there because we don't think any individual component of our program is unique, but rather what's unique about what we've done is we found that when you put all of it together, it really works for students because students that we work with also are all very different, right? They need someone who really understands who they are and what their individual needs are and can address it. So we have four components to our program model. The first is really giving personal support to students to help them navigate whatever life may throw their way. Primarily, that happens through working with one of our program coordinators on our staff who really can get to know our students, connect with them on a monthly basis, if not more frequently, and help them kind of solve whatever life may throw their way. The second piece is academic support, really supporting our students to think about what choices they're making on what academic area of study they want to pursue, what their goals are, and then supporting them and making progress toward their goals, holding them accountable to the progress and the journey that they're on. Third is professional support. And I think this is something that really, to your point, makes our model unique compared to a lot of organizations that focus just in the college space. Again, as I mentioned, we focus on helping our students get to an upwardly mobile and economically mobile pathway. So we have three things as part of the professional supports that I think distinguish us. One is we have curriculum that we use to provide professional development to our students to think about personal identity, life skills, and more of the soft skills of being prepared for a career. Second, as you noted, is this mentorship component. We call it coaching. And so we try to pair our students with somebody from the industry of interest where they're looking to go to share wisdom, to share knowledge, and also to share networks to understand how the actual system works before they get there. And then third is really exposure to careers that could look like career panels, really understanding what options are out there. And it goes all the way as deep as apprenticeship work that we do as well. So students are earning and learning at the same exact time. Yeah. And the last piece of our model is financial support. So we provide up to $1,000 to our students throughout the year, as long as they're meeting our program expectations. And this is both a great hook for our students to kind of make progress, but also our students will tell you they oftentimes have emergencies and expenses that would lead them to otherwise drop out for far less than $1,000 that they right. actually stay in school as well. Yeah. And speaking of financial support, congratulations on the financial support that one Million Degrees has received from the Mackenzie Scott Foundation. Biggest philanthropist in the world has noted your efforts and has provided you with some support. That's a sign that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're very grateful to have that support and you know a lot of incredible philanthropic support. And I think if you really were to peel back the audience and say, why? Right? Why would somebody like Mackenzie Scott want to support our work? We've also made a commitment to make sure that the work we do doesn't just sound good, but we actually know it works as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for a long time at One Million Degrees, we knew our work worked because we had relationships with students, but we needed to layer in the quantitative research and data to really back that up as well. Mm -hmm. So we've been working with the University of Chicago's Inclusive Economy Lab since 2017 to do a randomized controlled trial. And what that trial has found is if you apply to 1 million degrees before you even enroll in college, because we also provide support starting before the point of enrollment, we're 70% more likely to enroll, 94% more likely to persist across your first year, 
and 73% more likely to graduate. So we're really proud of those outcomes and moving forward as our students matriculate into the workforce. They're also going to study the labor market outcomes for our students and to see how they're doing in terms of our economic mobility aspirations. Absolutely. You had me at randomized controlled trials, especially yeah. when they're supporting the model, which is great. The other aspect of the model that is interesting is your city stakeholders and then also your industry stakeholders, maybe as well as folks within the community. Frequently in big cities like Chicago, a community college can really become a cultural center where folks even outside of traditional students are providing services and there is active engagement within the community. Can you describe the ecosystem and how you're engaging with those other stakeholders? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love about our work is it really requires the collective energy of a community. And as you noted, community colleges are often the hubs of that collective energy to accomplish kind of our shared goals with the city colleges. And so look, first and foremost, we ultimately exist to support community colleges and their students. And so our most immediate and critical partners are the City Colleges of Chicago and really making sure that what we do works hand in hand with their efforts more broadly. Beyond that, we have a number of other partners, right? So for example, we have program partners that can help to bring to bear other resources that might not be our core competency. For example, we're partnering with Chicago Public Schools through their Teach Chicago Tomorrow initiative which aspires to have Chicago public school graduates become Chicago public school teachers. Mm -hmm. And as part of that journey, they go to the city colleges of Chicago for two years of their four-year experience. And, you know, of course that program holistically brings to bear a lot of understanding of what it means to be an educator, to be a teacher. And we can round that out with the holistic student supports that I've already discussed. We have corporate partners, as you noted, either to serve as volunteers and coaches, we also have partners who are deep into the apprenticeship work. So for example, we partner with Aon to support over a hundred apprentices who are both earning and learning at the same time. We also you know, partner with Microsoft for professional development. Just this month, they led a professional development for our students on personal branding. Mm. Uh, so corporations are key. And then lastly, I'll note, you know, a number of different community-based organizations can also be supportive, right? So for example, while our team really is the first stop for our students, it doesn't mean we have all the expertise like around wellness, for example, and mental health and well-being. And so we make sure we have partners where we can refer our students if we don't have that core competency ourselves. Makes sense. And then you mentioned the pathway to a job and exposing learners to pathways that they may not have otherwise been aware were out there. That's a very complex and transitional space right now, the level of disruption we're seeing through automation and new technology, not to mention coming out of the pandemic. How do you think about equipping your students and your educators with the tools they need to provide access into a rapidly changing world of work? Sure. For us, something we try to pay a lot of attention to, and this is part of how we work with corporate partners as well, in addition to city colleges, is what are the set of competencies and skills that our students need beyond the technical or the academic skills to thrive in an ever-changing workplace? We hear a lot of things around adaptability, right? The ability to be flexible and nimble and how do you manage change? Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about critical thinking as being a core competency that's valued a lot around teamwork and collaboration. Gone are the days where, you know, one person, two people really get work done. The human side of work now really involves working together. 
And so we try to keep a pulse on what are those things and then how can we infuse that in terms of supports for giving our students to prepare them for the future work. We don't necessarily do ourselves is the technical side. This is where the education partner or the skill partner is really important to make sure they're also getting the technical skills that they need. So I view it as three legs in the stool, right? There's workforce and what are their needs and are they committing to hiring our talent and how can we support them to do so? The education or academic institution or skill partner to get the technical skills and then us ensuring we provide the holistic support for students to navigate the world that's not always meant for them mm-hmm. and make sure that they're prepared with more of the softer skills that they need to thrive as well. Makes sense. And then your job in a lot of ways is not just deliver against the now, but also have a vision for the future and how this will grow and expand. You're based in Chicago. You've been there for a little bit of time. You've been in your role for about a year and a half. You've gotten some funding. You're looking ahead. What do you see in the next, say, three to five years for 1 million degrees? Yeah. So we're really looking at three big things as we look ahead. The first is we want to double down in Chicago. So we've to date been serving nearly 900 students in the Chicago land area. And we know there are many more students we want to serve. We have incredible partners in the city colleges of Chicago. They have made a bold and audacious drive toward ensuring that they really get it done for all students. And so they've set a goal around 55% universal attainment and completion that could also include transfer to other institutions, which is a bold and ambitious goal, right? It would be pace setting in the country. And as they've done that, they've also opened their arms and doors to partners like us to say, hey, let's do it together. So moving forward with the City College of Chicago, we will be serving all eligible students. There's a few different eligibility criteria, but the simple way to think about it is if you're on a pathway to pursuing a degree or credential within three years, you'll be automatically enrolled into 1 million degrees. So rather than have to apply for our program or apply for services, that we know are good for our students, they are automatically enrolled. They can, of course, opt out. And so we still want to make sure our students understand the value proposition this program has to offer, but you're automatically enrolled. Second, we're integrating our work together, right? So to date, the professional development I mentioned, that has been done on the side. Moving forward, the professional development will be infused through how City Colleges thinks about supporting student success more broadly. We have access to student information data that we didn't have access to before. That'll allow our team to make better decisions for students based on information we have and contribute data on the students as well. And then lastly, we'll continue to research this and make sure it's working. But the power of this sort of opt-out model is also how many students we can reach. And so while we've been at nearly 900 today, over four years, we're in the first year of this, we'll reach more than 3,000 students. And the ultimate goal is to get to 9,000 or more students over time across all seven city college institutions. And so that's our kind of goal in Chicago is to really double down deep and keep doing what we're doing, but for more students. And then in addition to that, the second goal we have is to think about how we can support other communities with creating a holistic student support model. We took a step back and asked ourselves sort of what's the right thing for us to do beyond Chicago, given all that we're doing in Chicago. And a few thoughts emerged for us, right? So one was, we think one of the biggest lessons we've learned in doing this work is we started on the ground, building relationships in local context, and that really matters. And so we want to leverage the assets of other communities across the country and their relationships and partner with them to do the type of work that we do rather than do it ourselves or replicate ourselves over there. Second is we think there's a really emerging need in sort of these transition spaces, high school, college transition, 
or the college to career transition. There aren't very many nonprofits who think about the students and the talent and how to support them in these moments of transition. So we think that's a unique space where we can play and actually develop value as well and start to serve more students through partnerships in other parts of the country. And the last piece of our sort of efforts the next five years is to really double down on strengthening our education to workforce connections, right? So I mentioned already, we have the volunteers, we have the curriculum. I think too often we don't go far enough in terms of the career exposure piece in our program. So if you have an apprenticeship, great, it's really working for you. But if you don't, what else is there? So we really want to diversify our offerings when it comes to exposing students to career. As I mentioned earlier, more career panels, more internship or micro internship opportunities that don't require as heavy of a commitment, but still give you an understanding of how you could connect your education to your future. Awesome. A lot in there. And that's going deep into your world. We like to mix it up a little here. Think about going deep so that we can go broad and vice versa. You've gone deep into community colleges, what you're learning in Chicago, and how that can really turn lives around in terms of economic mobility and opening up pathways to careers that folks may not have understood otherwise. That's amazing stuff. What else are you thinking about looking a little bit more broadly? You know, we haven't talked about ChatGPT yet. We haven't talked about some of the major shifts in the skills marketplace and the types of jobs, you know, labor markets are are transforming these days. I'd love to get a little more of your wide ranging thinking about what's out there and what's kind of capturing your imagination. Yeah, these are all, you know, great topics. I mean, main thing that's been on my mind recently is the conversation around the value of college. As you noted, there's, you know, at least increasing shifts in short-term credential programs or a skills-based approach. And I think there's room for that, right? Actually, I think there's, it's really fascinating to see how the marketplace evolves based on a need. It'll also be interesting to see as we have what people are projecting to be an inevitable recession coming up, does the workforce and marketplace still have the same orientation and belief around not needing a college degree when the labor market's a lot tighter than mm. it currently is? So, so we'll see, is this a fad or is this enduring? But the piece I've been reflecting on is above and beyond skills and credentials, like what is the value and purpose of an educational journey? And I think sometimes we underemphasize or underestimate the other things you can get from an education. I mentioned earlier, corporations are also saying, hey, we need people who can collaborate, who can think critically. And a lot of those things happen through a broader look at how you approach your education, not just a short-term skills or credential-based approach. So I think it'd be really important we keep that top of mind as well. And then second, a lot of these skill and credential programs are geared toward first jobs. And ideally, these first jobs also are of economic value such that students want to pursue it. But I think what we discount is how do you go up in company and what's the upward mobility look like? If you look at that, you still see jobs that require college education and college degrees to be able to move up through a company. And so I think we got to think not just about the first job, but also what upward mobility looks like so that students aren't trapped or pigeonholed. Because the other thing you often see is who is then being put into these short-term skill or credential programs, and then who is pursuing college education. At the end of the day, for me with integrity, right? If I'm going to say, I want my kids to go to college, 
then I think with integrity, I have to make sure that all those options exist for all students. Yeah, it's really interesting when you think about the shelf life of skills and the more durable ones, like you were mentioning before, critical thinking, collaboration, creativity. Those are the ones that a traditional liberal arts education has provided. It is interesting when that bumps up against the broader labor market and how things are shifting there. Your point about a recession and the way that may influence the perception of these credentials, because the other element of the credential is it is a lifelong backstop to some extent where no matter what happens, you still have that degree. So it is an interesting space as we look at more disruptive models, including maybe get a little bit of your perspective too, when big tech or other organizations start to build that post-secondary pathway without really requiring the traditional higher ed institution, even community college. Any thoughts on those types of models? Yeah, again, I think there's room for it, right? Where I see a lot of room for it is, as you noted, the world changes so fast these days. And so the skills you need change. We are all continuous learners. I am constantly being challenged to figure out how do I take get to the next edge of my own learning journey as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's opportunities to kind of reskill and upskill employees, absolutely. But the question is, what's the foundation? And where I start to get worried is, so you talked about big tech. Let's look at all the layoffs happening right now. Who is being laid off? Who's losing jobs and what credentials or skills that they have? Yeah. And how will that set them up for whatever they then need to go do next? I worry if you take too narrow of an approach, you actually haven't created that durability for our students as they enter the workforce to be able to thrive long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like the notion also of building the social capital through those relationships, the coaching and the holistic support so that even if the space you had chosen for your career early on gets disrupted, in addition to having the durable skills, hopefully you have a durable, resilient network that can help bridge you through those challenging times. As we reach our conclusion here, I am speaking with Anish Sahoni, who's the CEO of One Million Degrees. It's been a wonderful conversation learning about what you have going on in Chicago. If folks are maybe not as close to your specific space, some takeaways for them or some lessons learned based on what One Million Degrees has had success with so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll go back to where we started the conversation. I think everyone in our country cares about and is concerned with the widening inequality in our country. And so if we want our country to be a country that's for all, especially as we Think about how diverse our country is, how increasingly diverse it's going to be in the coming decades. Then we have to ask ourselves, how can we ensure all students are prepared for the future? The bet we're making is that community colleges can be that vehicle for economic mobility and that the students that go there are the future of our country's talent and workforce systems. But there's multiple bets you can make, right? We've had a conversation about other pathways, but no matter what route you go down, make sure you really understand the student who they are and their needs. I think at its core, what we've learned is students need hope. They need to understand how what they're doing today connects to their future and their future aspirations and that students need community. There's no sort of simple solutions for helping students navigate education and work. They need that holistic community that's behind them. And so if you can help students anchor in their hope, and really give them a community of support like the ones I got or my sister and I got because of our family's journey, then I'm really optimistic that we can create an economy and a society that is truly for all. 
Fantastic stuff with Anish Sahoni, who is the CEO of One Million Degrees, onemilliondegrees.org. You can check it out, learn more about it. We'll include a link in the show notes. Anish, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it and look forward to staying in touch. Awesome. And hopefully our listeners enjoyed this as much as I did. If you did, please subscribe, write a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.